So today we have a very special guest. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them and then we're going to introduce the man behind the company. A lot of you will have heard of Grove Bags. Now, this is something that we haven't spoken about much in the many, many episodes. So I'm really excited to bring some new, fresh, innovative content that you're all going to be really interested to listen to. And what I'm talking about is Grove Bags. They are grovebags.com. So while you listen to this, if you're on your phone or you're on your computer and you're just chilling out, uh, join us on the website, grovebags.com, and have a little look at what they are, what they do, uh, while we talk about the history of the company, uh, the technology behind it, why it's so important to use these products and get a bit of information from the man himself, Lance Lambert. Uh, we're going to go through our partners of the podcast. So first up, we have Canna. Follow them on Instagram, canna.uk.official. They are our nutrient partner. Everything you need to grow plants from start to finish, they've got everything you need. And you can go and find out more about their products on canada-uk.com. Next up, we have Autopot, whose Jalal has absconded to and uh, left Barry in the shit. They are Autopot underscore global. Go and follow them and say, uh, free Jalal, get Jalal back to MPK. Send them that as a hashtag. Or you can follow their other Instagram at Autopot Cultivation Consultancy. They sell they are our systems partner. Everything you need from propagating to small plants to big plants to every different type of irrigating, every different way of irrigating your plants, Autopot accommodates with a system. If you want to go and find out more about their systems and see what they've got that will suit you, it's www.autopot.co.uk. Robbers. Opti- Robbers. <laughs> Optic Folia are our... Folia. Optic Folia are our Folia partner. They are on Instagram at OpticFolia UK and their, their website is OpticFolia.com. Now, their big thing is you spray with the lights on. Makes it well easier. Every bit of nutrient you need to get through the leaf as well as the roots with canna, you can foliate spray with OpticFolia. Next, we have Dynamico. They are on Instagram at Dynamico, D-Y-N-O-M-Y-C-O. And their website is the same, dynamico.com. They're an excellent addition to your grow room because it's beneficial fungi. Next up, we have Budbox. Instagram, Budbox Grow Tents. And their website is budboxgrowtents.com. Next up, we have Global Air Supplies. Their Instagram is at Global Air Supplies LTD. And their website is www.globalairsupplies.co.uk. Next up, Garden Culture, Garden Culture Magazine on Instagram, and their website is gardenculturemagazine.com. Now, they pretty much cover every subject to do with growing, politics, equipment, product spotlights. Uh, you can see who's who and the what's what of the industry in that magazine. And obviously, Eric and Celia are the best people in the world as well. Uh, so that's Garden Culture. Go and pick up a physical magazine in any good hydro shop. Or if you want to help save the planet, Download it off the website. All good, ready to go. Turn my voice up a little bit. Oh god, that everyone watching, the whole family. Are you ready to go? Are you built to be in the house, in the house that I built, in the roof that I built? 
how people tune in every Sunday to listen. But even when business is good, we still manage to do the podcast. How are you doing, Lance? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me as well. Absolutely. My pleasure. Like I said, 250 odd episodes in, we do cover some of the same topics um, that we've that we've spoke about in the past. Something that we haven't really spoke about is post-harvest, post-harvest and storage. And I'm really excited to talk about your technology, uh, the bags that you use. But before all of that, I'd love you to tell everybody uh, where you started, who you are, and why you brought these products to market. So tell us a little bit about Grove and where it all started, please, Lance. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I'm actually head of marketing and business development here, but my CEO, uh, Jack Grover, he was a caregiver for his older brother who has cerebral palsy, and his older brother had, you know, depended on Western medicine for some time, but he was having obviously some side effects and some questionable results from utilizing those medicines. And he had discovered cannabis, uh, you know, trying to source it and, and find quality product was a bit of a challenge at the time. So his younger brother, Jack, uh, started to become his caregiver, which means essentially here in the States that you're able to legally produce the medicine if you're in the legal medical market uh, for these respective individuals. And while doing so, to your point, uh, it's the same thing on this side of the pond. A lot of us put such a high emphasis on growing. I myself am a grower, and that's always been, you know, the focal point more so than post-harvest. You know, the the proper process of drying, of curing, of storing, even aging your flower. And so he realized that there really wasn't a solution in maintaining the quality and potency of the flower uh, once it was processed. And so that's where enter in our technology. Uh, it's quite interesting because, you know, unlike some technologies that are brought to the space, no matter if it's uh, equipment or software um, or different forms of packaging, a lot of it is just repurposed from other industries or other spaces. Uh, the food industry being a good example for packaging. So many people utilize Mylar, which Mylar you probably know for your bag of crisps or, or you know, maybe um, some biscuits or something in the cupboard. But Mylar isn't advantageous for preserving the quality and potency of flour. Okay. So that's just one example. So with this technology, yeah, sought out to find what is the best way to maintain the proper moisture content or the relative humidity within that atmosphere to create an ideal atmosphere itself in a rich CO2, low oxygen to prevent oxidation and loss of potency. And then other attributes like being antimicrobial, antistatic, and, and UV. So it was quite an undertaking, quite an extensive investment uh, for him to, to create this solution. But ultimately did, and again, being designed purposefully for the plant. Um, it does work great with other things, though. There's people that store the herbs amongst other items within the bag, which is phenomenal. Uh, if it's something that has a high terpene level and you want to maintain that potency, um, it's definitely great for that. But that was uh, where it all began back in 2016. And, uh, you know, I came on a bit more recently to help scale up the company because, uh, you know, more and more people are looking for, again, ways to streamline uh, the process post-harvest, but then also the way to preserve long-term uh, their product as well. That's, a, that's amazing history. And it's 
it's mad to think that you've only been going since 2016 because these bags feel as though uh, I've known about them for, for a while. Uh, if, but the technology yeah. behind them, it, it doesn't seem like you only got going in 2016. So that's a lot of pro- progress in those in that short amount of time. Now, to dig straight in, I'm, uh, I'm very interested in the science and the, the industry behind the bags. What is, for the growers out there, what is the ideal humidity to store at? And what do these bags offer above and beyond from just storing them in in any random container? Oh, definitely. So, you know, really our unique selling proposition, first and foremost for the growers, is that you can auto-cure your flour in the bags. So the traditional methodology is that you would take down and dry your flour. Usually uh, we, we go for 60-60-14, which is 60% relative humidity at about 60 degrees. Um, was at 2021C, and then maintaining that for about 14 days to bring the moisture down to an ideal level in the flour. Then growers would traditionally store the flour for curing in jars or totes or turkey bags. And those just weren't the ideal vessels. But on top of that, you'd have to go in and burp and agitate that flour day after day after day. And so that's the the beauty about Turplock. Our technology is that <clears throat> it creates that perfect environment <clears throat> without any manipulation or manual uh, effort that has to be put on by the grower. So you essentially dry it and then put it in the bag to cure, and it creates that perfect state that can be held for storage as well. So that's the major benefit of it. But some of the other attributes, again, that we take for granted, you know, a lot of people, um, myself, you know, again, I've been growing since I was a kid. I grew up in Northern California, so I was really in the heart of the culture and the craft that is cannabis. And even I was growing up understanding that glass jars are the best way to go, you know, your mason jars or your ball jars. But even though that's a traditional ideology, glass isn't the most ideal thing to store in, let alone the fact that, again, there's that manual process if you're actually trying to cure in it. But glass is very porous. Yeah. Um, it doesn't keep the UV rays out, which is a big factor. Um, it also doesn't create that perfect environment. You have to, again, manage if that environment is is too dry or too wet, you have to go in and do something about that. And oftentimes when it's too dry, there's only so much you can do. So that's where the technology, you know, definitely makes a huge impact uh, for those of us that grow in making sure that we put our flower in the perfect state. Um, the other bonus is though, being anti-static, antimicrobial, that's imperative. Yeah. Um, unlike something like, you know, Nick, we've, we've talked about like tobacco, right? Yeah. Which is obviously... Um, as much as, as people are a fan or not a fan of tobacco, uh, it is very similar in that you, you dry it, you cure it, you store it. A huge advantage that tobacco has over cannabis is this one element, and that's nicotine. Nicotine actually kills off any microbial growth. So you can have, uh, let's just pick on cigars. You can store cigars that is 60, 65% relative humidity. You can store it at 75, 80% relative humidity. You're not going to have an issue with microbials because that nicotine keeps them at bay. With cannabis, to answer your question on the ideal relative humidity, our bags, we regulate between 58 and 62%. Uh, most growers, some are a little on the conservative side, traditionally keep their, their flower around 50 to 55%. Uh, some dare and, and go a little bit higher. You don't want to go over 65%, though, no matter if using our technology or, or using traditional methodologies. Because anything over 65% relative humidity is when those microbials can pop off. It creates that perfect environment 
as we all know, if you've smelled an old towel that, that you know was soaked in water and wasn't dried out properly, yes, what yes. you're smelling is the mold that's growing on that towel. So you do want to be cognizant of that. But that's a big element that we can that we contribute to the situation is being able to keep that ideal relative humidity in the environment. That's fantastic. And the reason that that's so important is one: when you start to see visible mold growth, it's 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 visible. Do you mean, imagine how many spores and bacteria are in that bag once it becomes visible. The amazing thing for me about these bags is that because they're antimicrobial, um, it's, it's not, it's going to stop that microbial growth before you even start to see it. So there's going to be microbial growth that you can't see and you, you just, people, it goes unnoticed. These bags are going to stop even the unnoticed microbial growth and, and give you a really clean end product. For when you come to consume it's that's that's fantastic are you are you able to go Very into true. the are you able to one question I've, I've always had and i don't think i've ever really asked anyone is you you say that the bags keep it between 58 and 62 percent humidity how on earth does it do that how does it how does the bag know i know it's a bit of a mad question but how does the bag know that the no. humidity is too high and then release it and then it's too low and bring in moisture that's really <laughs> interesting that it's, it's an excellent question because a lot of people, they're just so inquisitive about the science. You know, you look at it and you go, well, this is just a bag. This isn't anything different again than, than anything I'd pitch up in the store and grab and, and purchase and open up and, you know, very similar as far as feel and touch. But not all bags are created equal. And that's one thing that I didn't even realize until getting more enthralled into this space in the industry. And so the cool thing about the material um, and I'll share a metaphor because a lot of people to help them understand. But the cool thing about the material is you can actually manipulate environments with polymers. So how we do that is we have multiple layers on the bag. And again, if you touch or see or get, get in contact with the bag, you'll again, you'll say, oh, it's just a one layer of plastic. There's so much more to it. But what we've created is a passive atmospheric modifier, which this is pretty popular in packaging. You have active atmospheric modifiers and passive. So inactive to describe if um, I, I know it's not as popular a snack over there but if you ever purchase beef jerky or any sort of fermented meat in I love the market jerky. here <laughs> Listen, i'll have to bring some next time i come over man it's beef jerky <laughs> is is the one i i went to a went to a show with me with me son he's really into his his fitness and his training and he said and somebody offered yep. him a sample and he went, oh, this is this is a six-year-old. He was like, oh my God, this is lovely, Dad. So he went, give me a little bit. I was like, that's actually really good. And it's really healthy as well, isn't it? <laughs> so if you haven't tried beef it jerky, is, get it, over there. <laughs> <laughs> and we jerky everything, turkey jerky, chicken jerky. It, it, it is, to your point though, it, it, if you're, you're trying to stay healthy, it's a high protein, a little bit higher sodium, but sodium mm. also helps you retain water. So a lot of to your point, a lot of the athletes and a lot of the fitness guys are a fan of it because they're getting the protein, but they're also getting a way to retain additional water intake as well. But we digress. We do. So, <laughs> um, if you ever do perfect, if you ever do purchase uh, beef jerky, they come with a desiccant pack, and and we've seen these before. Everyone's come across them. These little silica packs. They come in electronics oftentimes because electronics do not like moisture. They don't yeah. play well, um, but they also come with certain foods. So. That is an active atmospheric modifier. That is something that you're adding to that packaging to create the ideal environment. Um, another that would be example for, not, again, not just the cannabis industry, but the tobacco industry and the herb industry is humidity packs. 
So you'll see these little humidity, little whiter brown humidity packs, and those are active atmospheric modifiers, but they only do one thing. That's why we call them active because they just manage the moisture. So you have the desiccant pack that only takes it out. You have the humidity pack that puts it in. Ours is a passive atmospheric modifier. So what that means is what you put in, and it's probably a familiar term over there. We use it over here. It's good in, good out. So that's why it's imperative that you dry down the flower to a perfect level. Again, it's okay if it comes off of your drying process at about 50, 55%, or maybe it's 62, 63, 64%, you're a little bit higher. But because of these layers within the bag, it allows the moisture. So if it is too high of a moisture, that's exactly how these layers work. They like to be kept within this certain range. If that range gets too high, it allows the off-gassing and dispersion of that moisture. But also, if it gets too low, it can passively pull it in. So that's what balances it. Another element that's pretty major is, again, the headspace. And this is why it's really important. And there's a lot of recommendations. We have how-to videos and tutorials. But it's really important as well that you don't overfill the bag. Because, uh, again, just like a bag of crisps or chips, as we call them, um, you notice that they're never quite full because they have that headspace to create that perfect environment to preserve the freshness. Now. The difference between us and a, and, a, and a bag of chips would be that, you know, they typically flush that with a noble gas. Most notably, nitrogen is is a popular, but some use argon as well. But they want to create that perfect environment so that they stay as fresh as possible. Our bags are the same way. You don't fill it all the way to the top. You fill it about three quarters full, yeah, 75% up. And what happens again, and this is one of the layers within these multiple layers of the bag, it actually allows the oxygen to escape, but the CO2 to stay in. And this is something obviously at a a very small molecular level. So again, I'm I'm not a scientist or a super geek, but my R&D guy tries to explain it to me in layman's terms. And that's essentially it, where the oxygen can escape, the CO2 doesn't because of the difference in size and not allowing through these pores. But CO2 is a great, great way to store. And, And so the next question you might ask, not to assume is, well, where's the CO2 coming from? Well, again, just like we're depending on the moisture content of that flower to create the perfect environment, we're also depending on another element of that physiology as well. So a really cool thing, again, we all know this, if anyone took science class in in matric or in, in elementary, like you know, that when plants are living, they take in CO2 and they put off oxygen. That's why we love our environment to be full of lush brush and trees, et cetera because they actually do a good job of scrubbing the air for us to be able to breathe. Well, the interesting thing that occurs when you take any biomass off of its life force is that it actually puts off CO2. So it's almost like it's going into a regenerative state where it's trying to create an environment for itself to to come back to life, which we all know doesn't happen. Once you cut something from its life force and you don't consider, you know, continue to supply it what it needs, then it's not going to continue to live. But we take advantage of the fact that it off-gasses that CO2. And again, a CO2 flush is a great environment for the flower because it pushes out. In our bags, we end up with about 2 to 3% oxygen, which is okay because you actually want a slight amount of oxygen to help the terpenes mature. Um, not too much, though, because a good example would be THC, which everyone loves. That's the psychoactive cannabinoid that exists within this plant. Yeah. Um, THC, if it's excessively oxidized, it turns into what? To CBN which I've always called the ghost cannabinoid because cannabinoid is something that you only find trace amounts of when the plant is living and when the plant's taken down. But if you leave flower out on a windowsill for a year, 
you tested it before and did your COAs, then you test it again a year later, you'll find that there's a higher percentage of CBN. It's because the oxygen actually oxygenates and, and there turns that THC into CBN because it's oxidizing it. So we know that we don't want a high level of oxygen within that environment. And that's what the plant is doing. And it's, again, it's the same with the moisture. That's why having that perfect moisture level, um, we recommend measuring moisture content, which just, again, a quick education there. Uh, your moisture yeah. uh, content is your bound water weight within the bud, right? So I tell people, I love metaphors. Mm-hmm. I do <laughs> as well. I've, I've kind of teached on this, right? They're just, they're brilliant. They're so much easier. So I tell people uh, a flower, a bud, and, and this is most, but specifically with cannabis, it's like a sponge. So while the outside of this bud might feel dry and crispy, especially the sugar leaves, if they're breaking off and such, you know, oh my gosh, there's no moisture in this bud. There is within the middle of that bud because it's a sponge in that it's oftentimes denser in the middle of the flower and it's harder for the moisture to dissipate from there than it is the outside. So that's why we always tell people, be mindful of the moisture content because that's what contributes to the relative humidity. So you put it in, again, put it in 50, 55%. That's okay because the bag is going to level that out. But you do need to come within that range. It's, it doesn't work miracles to where you put in flour that's way too dry. 10 to 20%, you know, moisture content and expect it to come up to an ideal range. That's just not going to happen. So, but again, it's some geeky stuff and, and it's something that again, as a grower myself in an old head from Northern Mm -hmm. California did the old way of glass jars, it's been an absolute game changer. So I think that's the advantage, you know, most of us, five of us at this company are actually growers or have been growers in the past. So we're coming from the community and we love creating solution and technologies for our community, not something again, that was repurposed from, from another space. Absolutely. Perfect. So the, the, what I'd like to say to the people listening is especially in a, in the U S and, and the States that are legal. Um, if you are spending a lot of time, 12, 15 weeks on the growth development and flowering of the plant, a lot of people overlook the importance of cure of harvest, curing, storage, and rather than having to go into nitty gritty and what's the best way to do it and guesswork, these bags take the guesswork out of it. And you've got some products that leads me nicely into sort of my next question, which is a, you've got a little bit of a product range. You don't just do bags, do you? You've got uh, the tape lock liners, the wickets, and the pouches. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those products for, for people? Yes, definitely. So when we talk about Terp Lock, again, that's the actual uh, material itself. We have it in different iterations, uh, different finishes. We have it in white, black, and clear. Uh, so a few of the items you're talking about, while people might see them online, and again, like you mentioned, growbags.com, but we also have uh, growbags.eu as well. And so when you go on there, you'll see, okay, well, they've got these bags that are for the front end, these stock bags. Um, they're more so CPG or um consumer product goods type bags. Um, but we do have some for the back end. So there are individuals that are like, hey, I'm growing at scale. I, I like your you know, half kilo, two kilo, five kilo bags, but I also need something much larger for processing. So we have our tote liners, which those come in a 20-gallon, 27-gallon, and a 55-gallon drum format. Again, because some are definitely doing it at scale. A good example would be the Canadians. Uh, they grow at scale. They produce at scale. 
And then they actually ship off a lot of their product over to your side of the pond. A lot of the legal medical markets, uh, Germany being an example, Switzerland another, where they're actually importing their product. Well, they need to do it at bulk. You know, they're doing high volume. So they would be a good example of someone that uses our 55-gallon drum liner. Yeah. And that literally has that same terplock technology. So they seal that up and it's able to retain the terpenes and cannabinoids. And, and we have the case studies in the white papers. We see as much as a, an increase of 37% in terpene retention by utilizing terplock. So you're not allowing those um, terpenes to off-gas, being that there's such a volatile hydrocarbon. Yeah. Uh, the other one you mentioned is the wicket, which we, we now actually call the turkey bag. And that was our answer to those that are using turkey bags still, which I, again, I know it's a little bit more common practice, especially where I'm at out here in California. A lot of the growers do the traditional methodology of storing in these turkey bags, which again, they store about a half kilo, um, sometimes um, sometimes up to a kilo, but typically it's about a half kilo level of storage and or a pound. And they'll keep those in these turkey bags. Well, those weren't designed for this plant. They were designed for cooking turkeys. <laughs> so again, we came at it and said, you guys, there's something better. We've got a technology if this is the format you want to store your flowers. So that's where those came into play. But again, no matter the color, um, all of them are all the same terplock material uh, to keep the flower as fresh and, and to cure it as properly as possible. Yeah, brilliant. That. Um, something that people are going to be interested in is the customization of, of the bags. Because you offer a lot of customization. So how, how would you say it benefits your customers and, and what are some of the customizations that you've done and that you offer? Uh, these are all excellent questions. <laughs> <laughs> so just like you talked about, it is something that popped in my head. Actually, I have a good friend, Dan Gulliver, that, uh, that's over there and, and again in England. And we were on a panel. I want to say this was 2017 in Reno, Nevada out here. He was out visiting and we were all on a living soil uh, so obviously a, a grower's panel yeah. and uh, everyone up there, half a dozen of, of these individuals up there, including Dan came from the grow side. I was the one that was in the post-harvest space, but you made a really good point. You spend, I don't care, autos, fems, uh, regulars, whatever seeds you start with, you're spending weeks on weeks on weeks on the grow side, but you made a very excellent point, And every guy on that panel agreed that growing's only half the battle. Yeah. Literally, you can make or break your product in post-harvest. So if you dry it wrong, you can ruin it. If you cure it wrong, you can ruin it. But also if you store it wrong, you can ruin it. So that's where our custom packaging comes into play. There are some companies, and again, it's, it's a very played out term that was popular in the legal market here back in the teens. But you would constantly hear people say, oh, seed to sale, seed to sale, seed to sale. You know, they want to cover everything from, from that pre-germ state all the way until that product's sold. But that isn't where it ends. And, and this is me very much being a marketer right now. But I came up with the term from seed to, to actual consumption, right? So from cure to consumption is a term that I use often because everyone focused on that grow side, but nobody focused on what happens during the cure and after. And so with our custom packaging, again, it's got that TurpWalk technology, but allows that end user of ours, that client of ours, to be able to format it and design it the way they want. So when you do see bags, uh, we actually did a recent collab with uh, Calipo um, out in your backyard. We did another collab with Bank of England in your backyard. So these are individuals that are very much advocates, if not activists, 
for legalization in the UK. And we did custom bags to help promote their messaging and promote their brands. But all of those have turf lock. And the advantage being is that whatever individual puts in that bag, anything again that has terpene, so it might be herbs on your side of the pond, it'd be cannabis on our side, that is going to preserve that flower in a perfect state as long as it possibly can. And again, as long as you keep it in a nice, cool stored place, um, again, it's not something you keep on the rooftop at, at extreme temperatures, but you keep it in an ideal environment and it is going to store that flower. I have flower as a grower from last season that's over a year old and it's still in a great state because I put it in the bag, seal it, set it and forget it. So that's why we really love offering the customs and anything you can imagine, the finishes, the colors. The only thing we don't get into is die cut. We think it's a little... Um, cheesy, if you will. I mean, nothing against the die cut, but it's kind of a trendy thing. It's not looking out for the best interest of what's inside of the bag. It's more so about that presentation, that flashy. And so we really don't spend much time and energy on providing die cut bags, which are the ones that are shaped like characters or like lips or whatever. Um, ours are a standard format, but different finishes from soft touch to velvet touch to gloss to uh, windowed bags. Some people want to be able to see the product before they purchase it, even on the consumer side, if you're buying a 3.5 or 7 gram or 14 gram bag. Um, we do everything you can imagine. And again, people are amazed that we can do all these different things and still offer it with our technology, which is the advantage of us being the manufacturer. That's that's crazy. I was going to say to you, the, and you answered the question, um, What for those that don't know, what are, what are the die cup bags but you've answered that perfectly and then my next shock was like <laughs> you, you do velvet bags yes yeah i oh my gosh and that's one of my favorite i love that material so much when i made new business cards for our team i actually put a velvet touch and spot gloss in. Oh, they're, they're I'm amazing. Like, here now you can give them your business card yeah because people they go what soft touch and it's literally if, if you all haven't experienced it and it's become again very trendy in the states especially um, organic companies and companies that put community first and that put health first and, and all natural products first, they've really gravitated towards the soft touch because, again, there's just something about it. It just has a much better feeling than that typical glossy bag that you would purchase a product in. So really love that material. But we've had some individuals that have done really fun bags with us. They've done foil touches. So they have foil finishes on it, along with a window, along with spot gloss, which just means little glossy highlights. Um, I mean, you name it, we can do it. Obviously, there's a bit of a price factor because anything else, you know, you bring additional materials or elements to it. Um, that's going to be a factor. But the sky is really the limit with what we can do. Amazing. That's, so that's the truth. If people have got ideas, they just need to get in touch with, with yourself at grovebags.com. And they go to the contact yep. page and, and see what you can do for them. Exactly. Exactly. Amazing. And we're available on social media and such too. We've got a great, we're very much, uh, I mean, beyond being community first, we're really high on customer service because being a part of the community, you know, these, a lot of these individuals that are clients are also friends to be candid. These are people that we've known for years and that have supported us for years. So we really pride ourselves on taking care of the customers. So even if it's the most random question, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to us on whatever platform you fancy and we'll definitely get back to you and, and let you know our, our true input on it. Perfect. So if you are looking for them on Instagram, you can find them at Grove Bags. So that's at G-R-O-V-E-B-A-G-S. Remember, it's Grove with a V, not Grow with a W, Grove Bags. And check them out <laughs> on there. I mean, I've got to be very careful with my accent, Lance, because... Uh, <laughs> I, I can speak fast and uh, and people end up looking for the wrong Instagram. So it's Grove with a V. 
that's what you want to look for. And then Definitely. you can contact them there yep. with a DM or through their website, grovebags.com and contact them there. So on to a bit of education. Uh, this is what our podcast is all about, uh, specifically for really the US customers because of what the product is. But also, like we spoke about a little bit earlier, in the UK, um, tobacco storage is really important, even though it does have its own microbial product or antimicrobial products. Um, but also, my mum and dad, they absolutely love growing their own herbs. I got them in 2015. Mm-hmm. I got them a, a bug box tent, a very small one. And they put it in the corner and they grow rosemary, thyme, basil, oh, nice. mint. All, everything you can imagine. And because I gave them a nice LED, LEDs were just coming through at the time, uh, gave them all the right nutrients that they absolutely over the moon with it. The problem they had next was they, could, they grew too much and they felt like they were wasting it. So they started looking yep. into how to store uh, the herbs. And that's th- th- these bags, I think, would be absolutely perfect for them because my me, me mum and dad do do a lot of cooking and they like to, they love the fact that they're growing their own herbs and then using it in the cooking. <laughs> But for your specific consumer education, what do you do to educate your customers about the importance of proper curing and storage? Where can people find out a little bit more about that? Excellent. Excellent. Yes. So we definitely have different facets. We are, to your point, very much about education. I think that's part of my background was in media for so many years. And and that's really what you're doing in the media space, right? Is educating people, rather it be contextual or audio like we're doing or visual. And so we do put uh, education first. If you go to our website, you'll find uh, we actually do blog updates on the weekly. Uh, we have a lot of, I mean, believe it or not, over 21,000 people are subscribed to our newsletter. And we have that many subscribers because we don't use our newsletter uh, from a monetary standpoint. A lot of people, when you sign up, and you know, and again, this is a bit universal, when people sign up to a company, maybe they made a purchase that gives them the option to opt in to their, their newsletter, their emailer. Oftentimes, it's just them sending you coupons and discounts and deals, which is fine. And they're assuming that that customer, potential consumer, already knows everything about the product and already knows that they'd want to make the purchase. We recognize that's not so the case for people to come across this. Sometimes they just want to continue to gain that additional information. And so we put out, again, fresh content every week. We also work with a lot of media companies. Um, I've been writing personally a monthly column for MG Magazine, which is a milligram magazine. MG Magazine out here in the States, they have both a digital and a print presence and put out educational content on there. Um, just getting ready to kick off a series with Garden Culture. For anyone that's familiar, Garden Culture is out of uh, Quebec, Canada, but they do um, a publication here in North America for Canada and US, but they also have a publication over in the UK as well yep. as Australia. So if you get a chance to check that out, um, I'm going to be starting an educational series. Uh, the first part's on drying. Uh, the second installment's on curing and the last installment's on drawing links to white papers and executive summaries we've done because we definitely recognize, I do, especially being a marketer, um, that people oftentimes, they don't want to trust the company or the marketer. They want to trust their friends or they want to trust the word of mouth or a third party like yourself and, and what you're sharing with the experience of the bag. So we definitely have that means as well where you go onto certain forums, group chats, whether it be Facebook or the bulletins where there's a lot of advocates that put up education material of their own from utilizing this product. So we're really big on that and helping people understand. And I definitely applaud you for being on the herb side. I'm the same way. I use them as companion plants. So to tell the audience, 
Um, and what that means, like companion planting is essentially plants that uh, contribute to the overall environment of where you're growing. So to your point, I, I do mint as well. Um, I did basil last season, oftentimes uh, do tomatoes uh, because they have terpenes that keep away um, those little pesky insects that we don't want around <laughs> yes. our plants. Um, but then I also have an abundance of them too. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to dry them all out and, and turn them into you know, a crushed solution. A lot of times, a lot of my recipes call for a more of a fresh herb or, or a moist herb. So that's exactly what I'll do is same thing, store them in the bags and just preserve them for the long term. So you'll, you'll find a lot of topics around that as well on the internet too. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, one of our good, good friends is Garden Culture and Eric from Garden Culture Magazine. Um, he's one of the partners of the podcast. So if you, you, if you, awesome. if you, if you get that magazine from a shop, make sure you keep out an eye out for Lance's upcoming articles. And if you can't get to a shop at gardenculturemagazine.com and you can, you can read the articles digitally there. Now, on the education side, just in case you haven't got access to the website at the moment, some things that this, this website's just fun, chock full of amazing information. You've got frequently asked questions. You've got a blog where I've just very quickly counted over 60 fantastic articles. So your evening sorted for the next few weeks just to just on this website. <laughs> And you've also got <laughs> the, true. you've also got, like you said, the grovebags.com academy where they've started to upload videos. So those of you that don't like to read so much and you want to watch uh, and, and obtain your education through watching videos, they've got those as well. So there's a lot of content on here for people to, to get the teeth into, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, one yep. more question on education is I love misconceptions. Now you've already touched on one which is the glass jar. Um, I was one of those people. I thought glass jar was, was king. And also, funnily, when you were saying about CO2, keeping CO2 in and getting rid of uh, oxygen, a lot of people, they burp, getting rid of the oxygen, and then you take a deep breath in, hold it for as long as you can, and then breathe into the jar just before you close it to get, try and get that CO2 in. So <laughs> these bags get yep. rid of all of that weirdness imagine your 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 missus or your your kids or your mate walking in on you as you're holding your breath just below just before you, you blow into a glass jar it's like explaining what you're doing there <laughs> so that last breath of life <laughs> yeah, exactly get it into the jar um so do you, are there are there any other common misconceptions in the industry that regarding storage that your product aims to correct or things that people do that just aren't true uh, that the that you rectify with the bags. Oh my gosh! Yes, yes, absolutely. And again, I I kind of alluded to it earlier, but you know, myself growing up in Northern California, which for those that don't know, you know, has always been kind of considered a bit of the epicenter because we have the Emerald Triangle, which is uh, three different counties make that up. A lot of people know of Humboldt County, but you've also got Mendocino County, County and Trinity County in there as well. So there's a lot of what we call old heads to live up on the hill, as it's called. And, and again, many of these individuals I've been friends with, I've grown up with, I've known for years, they come from what we call the traditional market or what some might reference as the legacy market. Um, but keeping in mind that we've technically had some level of legal cannabis here, at least in my home state, since 1990 with Prop P. And then again, in 1996, when it became statewide legal on a medical level with Prop 215, uh, more recently, 2016 with uh, Prop 64, which means it's full adult use if you're age 21 or over. And so... 
you have these individuals that many times they're second or even third generation, which is crazy to say, but if you think about it, the reason why a lot of people moved up to the Emerald Triangle was because they originally migrated out here for the summer of love in 1969. And then once hippies kind of became uncool, as they segued further into the 70s, they, a lot of them dispersed and went up into, to, again, the rural Northern California. They took with them a lot of these wives' tales that they understood were the best practices around producing flour. And these are things I'm sure that were passed on from generations even before the, the migration up there. But the glass jar, I'd say, is the biggest one that people just don't understand. You know, again, they think that's, that's the best, the end-all, beat-all. Um, it's the most advantageous way to go as far as not just for curing, but also for storing. So we oftentimes have conversations with those individuals and I have one-on-one conversations and I get pretty deep. I go, okay, beyond the fact that it's not able to regulate the moisture properly, or it's not able to regulate that headspace properly. I said, let's kind of go a little bit down the path of thinking of the earth first and mother nature. And she's the one who brought this to us in the first place. And I go, okay, what do you think the hydrocarbon footprint is for producing that glass and for producing that metal jar? Oh, it's probably a bit more than the bag. It is substantially higher. And then what do you think the the cost in the hydrocarbon footprint is with recycling that material, if you're actually going to properly recycle it? But then I hit them really hard and go, now, if you will, you're telling me that you send out 5,000 eighths or 5,000 3.5 gram jars of flour to this market every year. What's the weight in transporting those goods? versus doing it in what we call flexo or soft-sided packaging. And all of a sudden they stop and think and go, well, but, but glass has always been, there's always been recycling for glass. There's always been recycling for tin. And that's true, but there's also recycling for plastic. And even more for us, and, and this is a good thing for your listeners to understand is, th- this is not your mom's sandwich bag. This is not something that you take to school and, okay, you have your PB&J and you throw out the bag and the refuse. This is something that we actually design to be upcycled and used again and again and again. I mean, our zippers, we actually have tested them for at minimum 100 uses. So you can use this bag over and over, and a lot of people, well, what about keeping it clean? What about literally just using a basic uh, detergent, like your dish uh, soap, if you will, a little bit of soap and water, clean it all out, let it air dry, and then reuse it. So we're trying to educate people in understanding that is yes, glass and tin and all these things have traditionally been great from a recycling standpoint, but there's other items that can just as easily be recycled that are made of plastic or polymers like ours are, but then they can be reused. Don't think of plastic as something that you just throw away. This is something that even all the way back to originally being designed, I mean, 1907, for people who don't know, it was called Bakelite. That's when plastic was first invented. It wasn't really pushed into commercial use until the 70s, but it is something that originally was intended in Tupperware would be a good example. Plastic in many instances was designed to be reused. It wasn't intended for us to just constantly throw it away. So that's a big one. Um, The other topics, yeah, is, and we've done a whole series of this. I'm sure we have on the side as well. We did, we did turp block versus glass jar, turp block versus mylar, turp block versus turpy bag. We just kept going down the line of, Uh. of all these other formats. So Stainless is another good example. Stainless is actually not good. Uh, metals in general, and specifically copper, is another one that is not ideal to keep biomass in, uh, just because how, in many instances, it further degrades the material versus preserving it. Um, and it, it's very similar to, again, a glass jar. How good is the seal on that? Um, does it create the perfect environment? No. Um, is it something that's ideal for long-term storage? 
not necessarily. So those are the constant levels of education that not just myself, again, heading up marketing or my team of marketers, but I know my sales team is constantly having these conversations because so many people, and again, I don't think it's just centric to the States. I think it's in many Commonwealth countries where we've just been brainwashed to believe that no glass is the greatest or, or tin or stainless is the greatest. Um, nothing else comes close to that. And again, it's, it's just not reality. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, it is, it's the common misconception of glasses is best. And, and then, and then you've got to do the whole education side of how these bags are better. So it's, it is, it is industry wide. I think if you, I think if you did a survey, I reckon the vast majority would probably, you may agree or disagree, would probably go, oh yeah, glass, glass is best. Even though everybody knows about yeah. these bags, it's still, what do they call it? Dogma, uh, dogmatic. And people just like mm-hmm. to stick to what they know and what they've tried and tested. So get out of your dogmatic beliefs and get yourself <laughs> one of these Grove bags and see the difference because um, there's genuine science behind them. And it's, it's just so interesting. And if you're not sold, on this podcast, uh, you've got to check out the blogs because by the time you've read the 60 blogs, then you'll be scrambling to, to buy some. Um, so your, your grovebags.eu, that's definitely the shop. I can see where people can buy them from there. Grovebags.com for the people in America. is. Do you have a shop function on, on your website for people to buy? Yes, you do. Big green button there. Yeah. Yeah, we're just getting it online. So it's actually perfect timing. We're just going through some final beta with the uh, shopping option on the EU version. And um, just to let people know too, we're a big fan of seeding and sampling because to your point, even if you go on to Grow City Forums or or Grow or, or Indoor Grow or LED Grow, there's all these different forums and such. You'll come across people that weren't believers until they tried it out. So we're a big fan of seeding. So we do sampling. Uh, we were just out again in, in your neck of the woods for product earth, which is just, uh, you know, just up in the Midlands. So just had the team out there giving free samples to people at uh, that show. Um, but we do Spanibus every year, Mary Jane, uh, Canifest, all the big shows and events throughout Europe. Um, we actually set up, get a stall, uh, make sure we're out there educating the end user, giving them samples to try out for themselves. And that's exactly what you need to do. And I think you put it well that, Again, with my metaphors, but I tell people, you know, don't be afraid of the technology. This is very similar to, um, I'm sure when the washing machine came into fruition, you know, people were banging their clothes up against the rock on a river and all of a sudden a washing machine came about and some people probably didn't want to break their tradition of, of using that old, that old wash bin or using that old rock. But once they understood the technology of, oh, you could put the clothes in the detergent in here and it'll wash your, you know, wash your clothes for you all of a sudden people came around. So I think it's that, that learning curve in coming into understanding the technology and embracing the technology. And again, it's, it's nothing that um, is crazy magic. I'll give an example. We were at a, a show up in Germany. As, as you know, Germany's kind of taken the lead, especially in the EU, I think, as far as legalization goes, not to discount the efforts in Luxembourg or in Malta, but you know, Germany's that, that powerhouse of They've the EU. Big, and so... Right. And so we were at a show out there and again, some great conversations. But one thing that actually I found was interesting, and I, I know at least Americans kind of stereotype, stereotype Germans for being the engineers and these over analysts, but people kept coming up and smelling the bags. <laughs> that was one thing when we tell them what, what it did, they'd literally be looking at me after I handed them a sample, they'd open the bag and they'd put their nose in and they'd smell the bag. And that's another thing that kind of caught me off guard because again, we're, we're using 
polymer, virgin polymer, this is a material that's existed for years. It's FDA approved. It's, it's used food grade. It's created in a sterile environment. There's no chemicals added. There's no elements added to it that is not, that, that is, there's just nothing there. It's literally just the way that you create these layers. But I thought it was really interesting that they thought there must be something added. There must be something in here that does this magic. <laughs> so I understand that people are a bit apprehensive, you know, they're a little, I mean, it, it's understandable, you know, yeah. that people are, Hey, this is what I've always known. This is what I've always done, but, but being open to it, you know, and, and remind yourselves that we're not all on flip phones. We're all on smartphones now. And we're not all on landline phones because we graduated to flip phones. Like all of us have been through, if anyone's, I'd say from a boomer all the way down to the Z generation, all of us have been through some sort of evolution of technology. This is no different. And a last note I'll add to that, and it's a metaphor I use here in the States when people go, well, how did this come about? Why isn't it being used? Why doesn't it exist? The food industry does, to a certain extent, use this. So we have ready-made salad bags in our locally uh, local grocers. So you go into the... Uh, style for your fruits and vegetables. If you don't have enough time to make a proper salad, there's literally one in a bag that comes with fresh cut lettuce and arugula and, and your, you know, your carrots and celery and radish and everything's all cut up. And you look at the bag and they're all nice and crispy and green and they're not wilted and yellow and tired. And again, I ask people, have you seen that before? Do you know what technology they use? And the first thing that most say is, oh, again, they, they flush it with nitrogen or they flush it with argo. They flush it with something to keep the oxygen out so it doesn't get oxidized and aged. I said, no, that's actually the material of the packaging. They don't do any flushing at all. It's not like, again, a bag of chips or crisps where they flush it with that nitrogen. With living biomass that you're taking right off of the vine or, or out of the ground, it requires a different type of environment to be preserved. And so that's exactly what that material. Now, again, we engineered something specifically for the physiology of cannabis. But that's something that is a similar science that's being applied already in the food industry to fresh vegetables and fruits in bags. So, again, if, if someone's a little concerned about, my gosh, is, is this some sort of quackery or some sort of crazy science that, <laughs> that's never been done before or never been trusted? Trust me, you've probably come across it at some point in your travels. Yeah, perfect. That's an absolutely amazing answer. Um, I've got I've, on your website and I've come across reseller. Now, what's that? Obviously, people, it's good to make money and resell them. I imagine you can, uh, you can get your products at a bit of a discounted rate once you become approved and, and sell in your shop or online stores. That what's tell people about the reseller program that you've got? Yes, exactly. So, you know, us being a manufacturer, we understand our limitations when it comes to distribution, resale, and sale. So, we do very often like to depend on local distributors and resellers. Uh, there's many advantages to it, as you can imagine. You know, these people are familiar with that local community, that local market. Often, in many instances, they speak the language, not just not just literally, but figuratively speaking. You know, because again, while it might be herbs in your backyard, you know, the way that they work with flour in the legal markets in South America or in New Zealand or Australia could be very different. So, we do love the opportunity to work with resellers. Um, we have a few. Excellent. One that I'm a huge fan of. I've known the owner for years, but Pure Sativa is an example of a reseller in the UK. Uh, Amit's a great guy. I just on the phone with him yesterday. And, and candidly, you know, being um, in the space I've been in for several years, I've known him for a long time. But he's a good example of a great partner that represents our product the way that we would like it to be represented. 
He has the level of customer service that we like to pre, uh, we like to preserve and present to our customers. Um, so that's a good example of one. But there's several that we have, but there's several more that we need because there's markets that are coming online. You know, there's over three dozen legal countries in the world now. Um, I know there's a lot of emphasis on certain countries like the U.S. or Canada or Germany, but a lot of people forget again that Switzerland has a program. Uh, Right now, France is going through a beta program. Ireland's making movement. New Zealand's making movement. I mean, there's so many places around the world. And so we do like to work with individuals, again, that are more comfortable in that environment and that community that are able to properly represent us in our products. So we're always open to resellers. Like you mentioned, the applications online. Um, uh, our head of international distribution, uh, Julian's a really great guy. Um, he's the one who typically fields those and makes sure it's an ideal match and reaches back out. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you if, if you're someone that's in that space and feels that there's an opportunity to work with us. Amazing. Right. I've come across your FAQ section. So do you want to do, can I pick out my three favorite FAQs and you give us a quick fire answer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So we're going to go for three. Favorite one, because I would probably, I don't know, actually, but this is something I think I might do because it feels good. Should you squeeze the excess air out of Grove Bag before closing it? Awesome. That's an excellent question too. So no, we actually don't recommend squeezing it all out. A lot of people, it's the first thing I want to do. Again, I think it kind of goes back to how we treat our food. Uh, when we want to store things away, I, I, don't, I don't know who taught me. I don't know for you, but somewhere along the way, I just seem to realize that it, it isn't advantageous to allow oxygen to remain in that environment of whatever bag I'm closing. Yeah. So I think it's just natural for a lot of us to roll up the bag and put a, a clip on it or whatever the case might be. With ours, you actually don't need to. You put the flour in or, or the plant matter in, whatever you're putting in, but you put it in and you just simply close the top of the bag. But what that does is it allows to maintain that headspace because again, that's what's needed for the flower to properly cure. And that, again, that could be your mint, that could be your cannabis, whatever market you're in. But you want that space because that is where the magic happens, where as the plant puts out that CO2, that CO2 exists in that headspace and pushes out the oxygen. And you'll actually find if you close a bag proper and you don't, you don't mess with the sides, you just you know literally fill it, close it, you'll notice that it puffs up a little bit because that is the CO2 that's off-gassing from the biomass. And it, it kind of creates a little bit of a pillow effect to the bag. Again, that's completely natural. That's not anything that you have to compensate for or open it up and close it again. You just set it and forget it. Oh, brilliant answer. Very, very succinct and to the point. Um, does So you don't need to read that FAQ because there's the perfect answer for that one. Um, another, <laughs> another great FAQ of... of, of come across is does the bag eliminate the need for humidity packs it does it does that is a really good question so again humidity packs they're active atmospheric modifiers so you know the people that use them a lot of people use them as if it's something that is almost like a fail safe or something that's a peace of mind really the only time you need a humidity pack is if you've done something wrong and i'm not trying to be critical of any grower because even I've had to use them. We had a very, very hot spell that came through Southern California last year. Um, for some reason, you know, normally it does get a bit hot in October, but it just got ridiculously hot. I mean, 105, you know, almost was at 40 C. It was quite, quite hot. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. I was, yeah, it's just too much. So I had to one, take down early, but my drying environment, I just couldn't get cool enough. 
it just unfortunately excessively dried the flower. So I did need to reintroduce uh, in a safe manner humidity to the environment. So that is when you use it. So if for some reason, you just allow your flower to dry out excessively. And so um, what I would define as excessively, if you are below 10% moisture content, or if you're below, say, about 45, 46% relative humidity, then that might be an instance to where you need to reintroduce it. But if you properly dry your flower, get it to that perfect state and put it in our bag, you do not need a humidity pack. You do not need an active atmospheric modifier. Because essentially what's occurring again is we're harnessing what already exists within that flower. We're harnessing the off-gassing of the CO2 and the moisture content that exists. So this is kind of trippy to put it this way, but if you can imagine, it's almost like it's turning the bag into its own humidity pack. Because now the flower is creating that perfect humidity versus having to put a humidity pack in a container to create that perfect level. So yeah, save your money, save your time, skip on the humidity packs. Brilliant. Last one, the big one for a lot of people. Are your bags odor-proof? Uh, <laughs> so we have some recommendations if you go uh, along the lines of the, the best practices or even in the video. Uh, all of our bags, they have a zipper on top. The only exception would be those back-end larger-scale bag operation bags, like the turkey bags or the totes. But anything that you'd store, which again... Um, from the littlest 8 or 3.5 gram all the way up to the 10 pound or what would it be approximately 5 kilos, 4 or 5 kilos, um, those bags all have zippers on them. So when we manufacture these bags, we have a crimp seal all the way around on three corners except for the top. The top we have a zipper. And you can just use a zipper if you like, not just for curing but for storage. Um, especially if it's a bag that you're going to be dipping into. Like you said, if if you're making spaghetti one or two times a week, you want access to your herbs on a regular basis. So you probably don't want anything more than the zipper. But we do, when using our bag secure and for long-term storage, we actually recommend heat sealing the top. And we design the bags with extra material to do so. So you'll find on some of the larger bags, if you have a look online, you'll see this this kind of dashed line that goes across the top of the bag. There's usually a few of them. That's the line where we recommend where you heat seal, but you can heat seal, cut it back open, heat seal it, cut it back open. So again, by you heat sealing it, it's not like it's making it a one-use bag. You can use it time and time again. But the biggest perk to heat sealing it is that you can get to that state of being smell-proof or at least odor-resistant, right? So if you have something that's very, very strong in terpenes, um, and again, that can be any kind of plant matter. Some things are obviously a bit louder, as we'd say, than others. Um, you use that heat seal, though, that will definitely preserve the smell as well. That's a big, big plus that we find a lot of our customers uh, gravitate towards. Because there's some bags that that's all they do, like these smelly-proof bags that all they do is just prevent the smell. But again, they don't create the perfect environment. So that's another bonus for what we offer. Fantastic. Last but by no means least. What are the future plans for Grove? Do you have any upcoming innovations, new products in the pipeline that you're excited to tell people about? We do. We do. There's some that I'd love to tell everyone about that I can't yet, but there's definitely a few things that I can discuss. So, uh, you know, us being an innovation company, and again, we label ourselves as a technology company in the packaging space, not a packaging company in the technology space. So we have a head of R&D that does phenomenal work um, I'm in communication with him on a regular, just actually had a call before this call with him. And there is one thing we're getting ready to release at MJ Biz. And uh, for those who don't know, MJ Biz is the big, it's, it's actually the biggest 
um, B2B trade show for cannabis here in the U.S. It takes place in Las Vegas um, later this month. And we're going to be releasing our all-new Safe Back bag. And the reason why I'm really excited about this is um, this kind of goes back to taking the air out of the bag. So we had a lot of people that said, I love your bags. I love curing in your bags. I love storing in your bags. I love transporting in your bags. But when you have a limited amount of space or there's a certain way that you need to pack it, you know, a lot of us are using vacuum seal bags or um, what some might call food saver bags is another kind of slang term for it here in the States. So we heard enough people bring this to our attention. It was a really big challenge because the way that turf block works traditionally is, again, that it has to harness that headspace. So for us to be able to engineer a turf block to be able to work its magic within a, a vacuum environment, like a vacuum seal bag, was quite an undertaking. But I am really excited to say that we finally came up with a modified version of our turf block technology that does exactly that. So it is a, a vacuum seal bag that has turf block integrated into it that we're going to be releasing later this month at MJ Biz. And that's going to be a game changer for a lot of people out there in, in the industry. Amazing. What stand, do you know what stand number you've got at MJ Biz yet? That is something we're actually getting ready to, to move our stand, but um, you can find us under Grove Bags. The current stand, I will tell you, in the cultivation, which there's two different halls. So we are going to be both in the North Hall and in the Central Hall. So the cultivation hall being the North Hall and then the processing, packaging, et cetera, is in the Central Hall. Excellent. So our booth in the North Hall um, is going to be a little bit smaller booth, but just inside to the right when you enter. And then our central hall booth, we're actually moving to a slightly larger booth. So that number could change. But the number for our north hall booth is, let me pull it up here right quick, um, is going to be 49004. And then the current number for our main hall or central hall booth is 6841. And that's the one that could change, but there's directories for anyone that's attending. Um, at the front entrance and at the entrance to every hallway in every hall, um, there's directory signs. Just keep an eye out for us. And like you said, we've got two different locations that you can track us down. Brilliant. You know what? I've actually, I've really, really enjoyed this uh, this podcast. For, for the long-term listeners, they'll notice that Barry isn't on the podcast at the moment. He's going to be taking a couple of weeks off because he's just he can't get out the shop. So the shop's just that busy and mental at the moment. He's doing a bit of a refit, a re-rig out. And he said to me, look, it was so busy. Uh, any chance you can take over the podcast for a little bit? So it's me by myself for a few weeks. So I'm going to be inviting quite a few guests and you've given me the the prompt to sort of get this going. So I really appreciate you reaching out and wanting to jump on the podcast. Um, before I get, sure, to, before sure. I get to my final point, we've got to give socials out and another way for people to contact. So, I'll do what I know, which is grovebags.com and grovebags.eu, plus their Instagram is at grovebags. Is there any other platforms that you'd like people to try and follow you or contact you on? Those are the primary, but yeah, our grovebags, we pretty much have that across you know TikTok and Pinterest and Snap and <laughs> X, or <laughs> formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, um, pretty much everything is grovebags. And then, and then honestly, I put myself, all of us put ourselves out there, so you want to reach out to me personally, I'm always available for any questions or comments. And I'm at 805 Lance. 
that's 805 Lance on Instagram and all the other platforms as well. Um, but we're definitely here to help you all out and, and again, to support our community. Amazing. Right, Lance, I'm going to do this. I've never done this before. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot, but because I'm going to need some help with this podcast over the next few weeks and months, I would like you to recommend a business or a person that can join us on our podcast and talk about their product, their service, or just somebody who's got a lot of knowledge and wants to share it with, with our community. Do you have anybody or any company that you would recommend? And I would ask, I'm going to reach out to them and I would say, would you reach out to them and we'll get them on one of our next upcoming podcasts? I definitely do. I'm fortunate in, in having a lot of really unique and special friends, again, that, that put the community first. If, if put me on the spot, I can tell you one right now. And this is a really cool one. I'm, I'm a big fan of the guy, not just because we're friends, but because he's absolutely brilliant and yeah. his background is very unique. Okay, so I'll tell you. So his name is Notal, and he is actually the owner of a company called Sorting Robotics. Yeah. And I have to tell you this story. This is uh, so Notal Partansky. Um, I'm sure anyone can Google him or look up. So if you've ever seen the movie, The Martian with Matt Damon. Yes. Love if it. you recall. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, so there's that machine that he is constantly banging on at the operation. Everyone's like, what's he banging on? That's an oxygen uh, a machine that actually scrubs the air and converts it to oxygen. So that's a machine that, that was developed, engineered, designed, and produced by NASA. So Natal was actually the lead engineer on that project. So this guy technically has invented a machine that exists on two different planets. <laughs> so he, he did that when he worked for NASA. He's a rocket scientist. The guy is super smart, but very personable. Um, I haven't said this to him before, so if he hears this recording, he's probably going to tease me. But he reminds me of kind of a cross between Jimmy Fallon, who's a bit of a comedian and, and late night talk show host here, and Elon Musk. Like he's got the 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 kind of humor and characteristic and per- personability of of Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. But he's just got the business smarts and in that that different way of looking at things, like Elon Musk. But his company is sorting robotics. He took all this knowledge and, and being this very successful engineer and applied it to something he is passionate about, which is cannabis. And he actually is designing machines that are more efficient in processing cannabis. So the guy just does amazing stuff. And again, I, I'm a fan of, I'm a friend of his, but I'm a fan of his. And you would have an absolute brilliant time having him on the, on the, uh, the call. So that's someone that I would recommend and I can definitely introduce you to via email as well. Amazing. That brilliant. Thank you very much. I do. I look forward to seeing if we can make that happen. Talking robotics. We've never done that before. Something new and fresh for our <laughs> listeners to get their ears into. Uh, Lance, it's been an absolute pleasure. When you're next in the UK, um, please do get in contact and, and we'll meet up. And if it's not uh, soon, then hopefully I'll see you at the Product Earth event uh, in August, September next year. Yes. Yes. I, I was just out there for, for the uh, summer social, uh, out again in the middle, uh, what was it? I think it was just in, uh, not Coventry, Vista. So I was just out there for that, but, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll definitely pa- cross paths. I know I'm going to be back out there for product earth and probably summer social next summer, but, uh, Hopefully I'll see you at Spanibus or somewhere yes. else sooner. Yes. I, you know what? I haven't been to Spanibus for about three years because of obviously it didn't go on three years ago. Then the second year is a little bit like, oh, I think I'll just stay here. And then last year we were just we were just super busy. So 
I miss it now. I've got the age to get back out there and and get into Spanibus and go and eat the good food. So I will. I'm going to make a no, real man. effort to get out there. So yeah, let's definitely meet up. And uh, I look forward to it, Lance. Thank you once again. Thank you very yeah. much. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a huge pleasure. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Hope everybody enjoyed that podcast. And I will see you all next week or in a few weeks with another podcast. Take it easy and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>